We're talking about signs, signs of the times. And uh, I was looking at all these signs, coming up with little sayings for each one of them, which I'll do at the end of the sermon. So, um, you know, I want you to understand that signs are something that's in the Bible very clearly. And uh, in Jesus' first coming, how many of you know there were all kinds of signs? Do you know there was over 109 distinct signs? There's over 300 prophetic words that gave those signs, but when you combine them and boil them down, there was 109 distinct signs that uh, were, were talking about Jesus' first coming. When, where he would be born was actually one of the signs that he'd be born in Bethlehem. When he would be born, born. do you know that, and Isaiah talks about that he'd be born of a virgin. It talks about when he would die. Actually, the book of Daniel talks about when you see the temple being rebuilt. In this much time, the actual Messiah will be cut off from the world. And if you add it up, it's like 427 years. And at that time, that's when Jesus died. That was a prophetic word. Even how he would die was a sign that was given. Do you know that in the Bible, it talks about crucifixion in Psalm 22, 700 years before it was even invented. 700 years, it talks about that the Messiah would be hung on a tree and die for the sins of the world. Isn't that incredible? So all these signs, even the fact that he would be sold into slavery or or killed or turned over or betrayed for 30 pieces of silver is another prophetic word that was in the Bible, another sign. And how many of you know, even though that's pretty incredible, a hundred and some signs that Jesus is first coming, do you know there are over 500 signs in the Bible about the second coming of Jesus Christ? Isn't that incredible? Signs, signs, everywhere there's signs. And what I want to talk to you today, just for a few minutes, and you're going to have to unpack a lot of this yourself, but I'm telling you there are signs, signs everywhere. There are signs that Jesus is about to return. You know, I got called to speak at a conference yesterday. I had to fill in for somebody that uh, couldn't go. And uh, I talked about the last days. I talked about the fact that our people are not ready Our people are not ready for the return of the king. And so I was speaking to about 50 pastors. And, uh, you know, it was just powerful to be able to to share and and to really challenge them to be preaching in their churches and calling people to prepare, to look at the signs and to get ready. So let's talk about what some of those signs are today. And again, I'm going to skip a rock over this. You're going to have to do a lot of research yourself. But let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for the youth. God, I, I worshiped. Lord, I'm going to be honest with you. I worship more than worshiping you. I worshiped you for the youth that we're serving today. What a picture, Lord, of grace. What a picture of your salvation and your intent. What a picture of young people who are turning their heart to you, Lord God. In the midst of a culture that is turning more and more away from you, these young people are saying, I'm in. I'm for you, Lord. I'm with you, Lord. And God, so I delight in them and I thank you for them. God bless your word today. Prepare your people, wake us up, and let us be ready for the signs of the times. Amen. Well, let me break some of the signs down. I'm going to give you six categories. I'm going to move really quickly. The first category of signs in the Bible is the signs in nature. 
that nature itself will begin to display signs of the second coming. And here's this example of the scripture. There will be great earthquakes in various places, plagues, famines, there'll be terrors and great signs from the heavens. Matthew 24, eight talks about that it'll be like birth pains. And the reason I tell you that, because this is one area of signs where people will say, well, there's always been earthquakes. There's always been stuff in the world. Like, why is that so important today that you're talking about signs, but Jesus talked about them in terms of birth pains. And birth pains are like, you know, you're going through trimesters and then you're going through birthing stages and then the pain increases. It becomes more frequent and more intense. And I want you to understand, that's what I, w- I wanted to kind of touch on. Do you know that, that in, the, in the last 20 years, the 10 most destructive storms in the history of the world have happened? That's not me saying this. This is the UN. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just read from you. This is from the UN. I pulled it right off their website. Losses from natural disasters surge in the last 20 years. Long, long story short, it, it, in the last 20 years, losses from storms increased 151% from the previous 20 years. Now, you may think, well, that's not that much. It went from $800 million to $2.9 trillion dollars. Do you understand the intensity, the destructive nature, the power of nature is activating in places and people are saying, this is very disturbing sign that we're seeing this. Now, I want you to get it. The world is spinning this and saying global warming. (laughs) They don't live here, actually. (laughs) Do you understand that God is saying, look up? Your redemption draws nigh, you guys. Get ready, get ready, get ready. The intensity, the frequency, these things are occurring at a greater and more alarming rate. So that's just the signs in nature. I told you I'm going to move quickly. The signs in society. Here's what it says in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come for men. Men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Wow. Now, we're, you're going to, in your notes, in your curriculum, in your, it, it, it talks to you to read Romans chapter 1, verse 18 to 32, and you're going to look at that. Lovers of self, lovers of money, lovers of pleasure in our world today, we're seeing that. And I want you to understand something that, you know, we're seeing all the isms in our world today. And I don't want you to be freaked out by this. The Bible predicts this. It tells us this is going to happen. So we're seeing, you know, our, mo- our world is moving more toward humanism which is really a philosophical and ethical stance that emphasizes the value and agency of human beings and really exalts them and lifts them up over the place of God. There is no God, we are God. So humanism is taking place in our world today and you would need to understand that's occurring and from that comes relativism and relativism is basically saying there is no absolute truth. There is no absolute truth. And so you need to get that, that, that uh, you know, people are kind of doing whatever they feel is right because my truth may not be your truth. You know, that leads to, to all kinds of isms and, and, and that just keeps on go- growing and growing. How about hedonism? <laughs> hedonism is just do whatever you want to do. Do what feels good. 
That's what hedonism is. You know, we're living in a culture where we're seeing hedonism just rise up because people are like, I want to do what I want to do. And I don't want to be told that what I'm doing is wrong. As a matter of fact, that's the only thing you can't do is tell somebody what they're doing is wrong. We know that. You know, the Bible talks about five downward steps, and you're going to read this, and you should read it. Just turn in your Bibles when you get home to Romans chapter 1, verse 18 to 32. And it talks about five downward steps that happen when people begin to turn away from God. They refuse to worship God. They fail to acknowledge his providential care. They're unthankful. Their thinking became foolish. Their hearts became darkened. And they professed wisdom but were branded as fools. The Bible says, you know, when you turn away from God, you become foolish. And so understand that that's the fight right now. Do you, you know, so I'm sorry if we stand up as a church and we stand up as a school and we say, this is not right. Parents need to parent their children. And that's the way it is. Amen. I heard somebody talking about uh, the fact that they weren't going to vote for a certain uh, political party because they were outing gay kids. That's not true. <laughs> Do you understand? The stance is that parents are parents in our society and children are children in our society. And that's the way God designed it and ordained it. And wisdom has designed and ordained it. Okay, then. There you go. Signs, signs. Everywhere there's signs. But we're living in a time when people are doing what's right in their own eyes. I'm going to get you to read in your, in your curriculum. I wrote uh, verse 26 to 31 in chapter 1 of Romans. And you're going to look at 23 conditions of the fallen heart. When people begin to move away from God, they begin to move away from God. 23 things that you can read about on the journey downward and away from God. Well, that's just the signs in our society. How about the signs in technology? Now, stay with me. If I ticked you off by what I just said, then stay with me. Research it yourself. Yes, pastor, we'll do that. Amen. How about the signs of technology? How many have heard of RFID chips? Radio frequency ID identification. Now they're the size of smaller than a grain of rice and being inserted right now, just this last year in, I believe it's Sweden, thousands of people are being inserted with these chips. And they're saying, you know what? We'd rather have identification chips that contain all of our information, and we don't really care about freedom. We care more about being able to be identified. We care more about being able to carry our records on us. And, and you know, this, this stuff is awesome, you guys. What this can do is amazing. And so I was reading about it. My wife and I were reading as we were traveling, and we were finding different articles and reading as, as she was driving, I was reading. Um, you know, now, nowadays, you know, these microchip and these, they're actually implanting monitors in people. Monitors. And so there were, you know, there's parties and they got these people that tattoos start to show up from under their skin because they're implanting monitors in them. This is crazy. And so the next generation of guys is saying, forget about planning, implanting monitors. The skin itself will become a monitor. And all of your information, will, you'll be able to walk in, you can walk outside and your car will automatically start from what this RFID chip is. And, and this is the technology that is advancing right now, you guys. 
And you say, well, I don't know about that. Well, just read about it. It's all there. You can read all about it. Television and satellite transmission. You know, technology. Do you know that there's Bible talks about that you won't even understand the signs of the last days until the last days because things won't even make sense. They can't even be possibly understood until the last days. One of them is the two witnesses that are witnessing and declaring God's word against the Antichrist are in Jerusalem preaching, and the Bible says that the whole world will watch them. Well, how is that possible 2,000 years ago? It's not, (laughs) but is it possible today that something can be viewed and watched in real time from anywhere on planet Earth This is only understandable in our culture today. So television and satellite transmission, Revelation 11.3 talks about the two witnesses that the whole world watches. You can go to Daniel 12, chapter 4, that men will travel to and fro and knowledge will greatly increase. These are prophetic words. They're saying in technology, when you see technology beginning to arrive at these points, God is saying, look up. Your redemption draws near. How about the signs in world politics? Wow, this is a whole category of signs. There'll be wars and rumors of wars for nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. Do you know the Bible predicts one world government? The Bible predicts that. It tells you that when you see this beginning to happen, and, and, and we know in our time, in our time, this is occurring. We know about the European Union church, six nations, then became 12 nations, and now there are 28 nations in the European Union. 28 nations that combined and said, it doesn't matter where your economy is, it doesn't matter, we're pulling you in and you're becoming part of this economic plan, and they can take whatever their GDP was and all the factors and say, now here's your new currency that represents what your nation represents. That's right now. That's happening, this one world government. And now, do we see that push happening even stronger in our culture today? The tearing down of national borders? More and more and more. And then, you know, you look at Trump defending the borders of his nation and being just absolutely stripped threadbare for it. This is happening right now, church. How about the movement toward one world economy? This is where RFID chips really come into play. Revelation 13, listen to what it says. I'll just read it to you. It says, I I, I also caused everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and bound, to be marked on the right hand or in the forehead. This meant that no one could buy or sell unless they had the mark, that is, the name of the beast or its number. You can't buy, sell, or trade without this mark. And and we're we're moving into a time, guys, when we're, we're saying, you know, I want you to understand this is going to make sense. You know, if I just take this insert on my right hand or my forehead, which is the two best places for them to be inserted, isn't that crazy? You can walk into a room and just gather all your groceries and you'll immediately as you walk out, you're paying for it with the RFID chip in you. You know, this is going to eliminate crime in lots of ways because you're not going to, you're going to have a cashless society. The Bible tells us about this time. It's beginning to move more and more toward. And you're like, you're freaking me out, Pastor. What about the sign signs? Let's keep moving then. Let's keep going. I know it's getting freaky, but you know what? It's not meant to be freaky. It's meant to be hallelujah. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Let someone else deal with your mortgage. Thank you, God. <laughs> hallelujah. This is a crazy one. 
Eastern nations that are capable of fielding an army of 200 million. Now you think, well, that's, there's, no, there's no nation that has an army that can be 200 million. How many have ever heard of the acronym SCO? A few of you are nodding your head. That's impressive. So this is the Shanghai Cooperative Organization. It's called the Shanghai Pact. It was in June 2001 that Shanghai, China, and the leaders of China, Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, Russia, Tajikistan, and Uzbekistan, basically China and Russia, formed a coalition. Looking at what was happening in, Eastern, in Western Europe, they said, we need a coalition in, on this side of things, and we need to pull this together. Do you know that there are 3.2 billion adult, or sorry, uh, people that are available there, over 2.5 billion adults between those nations combined. And in times of war, when you can, you can draft one in every 10 people, how many of you know just that organization alone could well overdraft the 200 million soldiers that are predicted in the Bible? That's an incredible statistic, church. I, I, again, I didn't make this up. I'm, let me read it to you. The Shanghai Pact is a Eurasian Political Economic Security Alliance created by which it was announced in June 15, 2001. And these two regional mammoth behemoths are driving a coalescing of Eastern nations and the SCO may prove to be among the vehicles used to achieve the goal as predicted in the Bible. In Revelation, it says 16:12, it refers to 200 million man army being from the kings of the East. That's unbelievable. Signs, signs everywhere. There are signs. And then there's the signs of Israel. This we could spend a whole month on. Do you know that Israel is 0.2% of the population of the world? They're, they're a dot. 14 million Jews. That's crazy. They're, they're dot on the planet. And yet, how much of the world's power and time revolves around this little tiny nation? The regathering of the people of Israel is talked about in Isaiah chapter 11. The reestablishment of the state of Israel in Isaiah 66, Matthew 24, Ezekiel 37. That, and then this happened May of 1948 that Israel became a nation again. The Bible predicts and says, when you see that happen, this generation that sees that occur will see the return of Christ. Signs, church, signs. The reclamation of the land. You know, some of the sweetest oranges and fruit that you can have now are from Israel. The fact that it would produce fruit again is incredible. The revival of the language. They thought the Hebrew language was dead in 1900. And now they realize it's not dead and it's been completely revived. The resurgence of the military, the refocus of world politics, the reoccupation of Jerusalem. It goes on and on and on. Just Jerusalem itself, just looking to Israel, just looking to the nation of Israel, you actually know that God is returning soon for his people. The signs of Israel. Now the most signs in the entire Bible that talk about and warn us about the last days are the signs that are the spiritual signs. There are more signs in this category than any other. There are positive signs and there are negative signs spiritually. Positively, 
there's the latter rain. It talks about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And uh, the Holy Spirit was outpoured at the, at the initial uh, outpouring and formation of the church. But it talks about in the last days there would be called the latter rain and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the last days. And so we, we, we begin to understand that in, only in the last hundred years have we seen. You've got to understand with God, time frames are not a day or a week. But only in the last hundred years have we seen the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Since 1906, 1902, all over the world, God began to pour out his spirit. And I'm wanting to tell you that today, it's unbelievable when you see from Topeka, Kansas in 1901 to the black preacher in Los Angeles named William J. Seymour to the Azuzu Street Revival, to the simultaneous revival that was happening in Scandinavian countries in 1902. God was pouring out his spirit. And I'm going to tell you, in the 1940s and 50s, it was called the Latter Rain Movement, when even places like North Battleford, Saskatchewan, the power of God was so prevalent and evident that people People were getting coming from all over the world, getting transformed by the power and presence of God. In the 1960s, we saw the charismatic movement, the movement of power that began to sweep across. How many of you know the churches of Jesus Christ all over the world today that are affecting the greatest change are being empowered by the Holy Spirit to accomplish that? That's happening right now, church. And you're saying, well, that's, that's Pentecostal. No, it's not. It's Baptist. It's Anglican. It's Catholic. It's, I'm telling you, God's power is moving. We watch a video series to help train our young people called Alpha, which is written by the Anglican church. And they, the last four sessions, you know what they're about? The Holy Spirit. <laughs> and part of the, one of the people teaching is, the, is a Catholic priest. Come on, I'm telling you, God is moving by his spirit all over the world. It's amazing to be part of, hallelujah. And the greatest churches in the world are resulting from this outpouring. There are churches of hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people around the world right now, church. The World Pentecostal Movement is having a meeting in August in Calgary, Alberta. The Gathering of Churches celebrating this outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It's not just churches gathering, it's denominations gathering. Fellowships gathering from all over the world in Calgary, happening this year. How about the preaching of the gospel worldwide, the revival of Davidic praise and worship, the understanding of biblical prophecy, all kinds of things. And we know that, you know, lastly, that really the, the, the you know, those are the positive things, but there's also the warning signs, the negative thing, which is increased apostasy in the church. That means a turning away from God. The time will come when professing Christians will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires, will turn away from the ears from the truth and turn aside to myths. That word turn away and turn aside, it's actually a, it's a, it's actually a medical word, and it means to dislocate themselves. That they will pull so hard against God and his direction, they will actually pop their shoulder out of place. And, and you know, that's a warning to the church. Like, and, and so many people have, you know, there's just so much pulling away from what God has designed and ordained to help keep his church on track and steady. And we see that and we understand that. That's one of the great signs of turning away, an abandonment of truth. But the next one is just as disturbing and what we need to understand is the unpreparedness of the church 
The Bible talks about the wise and the foolish virgins. The Bible talks about the parable of the Great Supper. Pastor Matt preached a great job on that a couple weeks ago. Those invited began to make excuses. Sorry, I've got a new field. Sorry, I've got new oxen. Sorry, I've got a new wife. I can't really focus on what I need to focus on. I'm not really paying attention to the signs. And of course, Jesus warns and he, he, he begins to thin the herd. He thins the herd and he says, guys, listen, this is what you need to do. You need to prepare your life. You need to stop and see the signs and you need to get ready because I'm coming again. I'm coming real soon. I won't give you the last and the greatest sign, but I'll just mention it. The Bible talks about a thing called the rapture. And once you see that sign, if you see that sign occur, that's not a good thing. <laughs> if you're watching and wondering where your wife is, you missed it. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that, I think in this third scripture on your notes. It says, no one knows the day or the hour, not of the angels in heaven, but only the Son, only the Father. That is how it the coming of the Son of Man will be. Two men will be in the field, one will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, and the one will be taken, the other one left. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the exact hour that the Lord will come. You don't know. You got all kinds of signs, are you following me? All kinds of signs are saying, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's here, get ready, get ready, get ready. But it's going to come one day, and boom, that's it. We're done. Seven years of tribulation, then Jesus comes and every eye sees him, every knee bows before him, everything's done. And so this should really shape the way we live, isn't it? How can we get ready? Well, just here it is. Let me just give you three quick thoughts. Number one is wake up. Wake up. Stop just like going along and saying it's all good. It is all good because you're going back with God and everything's great, but we got to wake up, church. We got to wake up. You know, I, I remember reading a story about a young kid who heard about the rapture, and, and he said to, to his mom and dad, uh, you know, is it true that one man will be taken and the other one left? It'll be true that one will be in bed and that one will be taken and one will be left? And they said, yes, son, that's true. And he said, well, mom, don't you think it's time that dad or you stop, start sleeping on the couch? <laughs> she just thought if there's two people, only one goes. No, that's not the point. <laughs> just get ready. Wake up. The signs are all around. And just look up. Get your eyes on your heavenly retirement church. You know what? Stop hanging on to stuff. Where moth and rust and thieves destroy. Taxes take away. Look up to Jesus. And then lastly, just take up. Take up your cross. Follow God. Die to self. That doesn't mean, you know, try harder. It just means let go. Let go. Stop trying to fix and control. You can't control this. It was interesting talking with the pastors of those churches yesterday because one of the doctors of theology, he gave an address on, on world church and world and church history, and it was brilliant. And he basically said, it's time for the church to stop at trying to adapt to the culture and to become counterculture. You are not going to change this culture by adapting to it. You are only going to change this culture by displaying what it means to follow God apart from the culture. Amen? Hallelujah. Signs, signs. Everywhere there are signs. 
You know, I was thinking about our signs. Like, let's look at them. Caution, stay back 15 meters. You know, don't get so close to the edge <laughs> in your life that you're like, oh, just kind of barely hanging on to Jesus and hanging on to the world. He's like, stay back. Stay back. You know, why don't you yield to God? Yield. Let go. Lay it down. Yes, God. Amen? What's this one say? Oh, my gosh. No, don't go on the left. The goats are on the left. <laughs> Jesus is on the right. Stay on the right. No left turn in church here. Amen? What we got here? Stop. Stop. Breathe. Consider. Say, yes, God. Stop making excuses. Stop. <laughs> Amen? And the best sign of all is this sign right here. Construction's going on up there for you. He's <laughs> going on up there. We're in a construction zone time, church. Jesus is getting ready to take a bride home. For 2,000 years, he made the earth in six days, and for 2,000 years, he's been preparing a place in heaven. Come on! What? This place is a garbage heap compared to what's going on up there. It's time to live for God, to live with God, and to enjoy him forever. The signs are here, church. Don't say to me, Pastor, you didn't tell me. I'm not planning on being here for you to be upset about it. <laughs> Come along with the Lord. Amen? Let's bow our heads in prayer right now. Maybe I'll just get somebody on the keys. See, Pastor, you, you flew through that message. I get it. <laughs> but there's 500 prophecies I could have talked about. The point is this. It's stop, yield, go right. <laughs> God's almost done the construction. He's getting ready to come back. Jesus said, I go there to prepare a place for you and I'm coming back to take you to be with me. And so we just, as a church, you know, this, this can't actually scare us. It has to excite us. And I, I think for me, the first thing is confession. As a church, is at times, that actually scares me when you start talking about the end times. Don't let it scare you, church. Let it excite you. Let your heart say, God, wow. You're coming back for me. In a world gone mad, you're coming back for me. And help me to tell others about you so that they're ready for your return, Lord. And so for some of us here today, I just want to give you an opportunity to confess and say, you know, Pastor, this doesn't excite me. It scares me. But I need to change the way I think about these signs. And I, I'm just going to give you that opportunity to lay, raise your hand and say, Pastor, would you pray for me? So, yeah, yeah, lots of hands going because I want to be ready 
And I want my family to be ready. Amen? I don't want to make excuses. I want to be ready for the signs. And if you're here today and you're saying, Pastor, I'm not ready at all. I, 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 I know the world's crazy. I know I, I've been, that's why I came to church today. I came to church because I see things around me in my life and around me that it's nuts and I don't know what to do. I'm telling you, the Bible says if you will confess Jesus Christ with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's it. But you have to make that confession. You have to make that invitation. You have to say, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that I invite God to take my life, to come into my life, to forgive my sins. And if that is you here today, I want you to raise your hand. Yes. Yes. There are others that will join these too. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, see your hand in the back. We're in no hurry. You check all these signs out for yourself, church. They all say one thing. Be ready. Be ready. Have your relationship with God in order and growing. It doesn't say be perfect. It just says be ready. Amen? Amen. Let's give a hand to these people that raised their hand today. Can we all just pray a prayer together? Just a prayer of readiness. Say, Heavenly Father, open up our eyes that we might see that you are coming soon. Help us to be ready and to live for you more and more each day. Help us to lay down our fears, our doubts, our worries, and to know that what's waiting for us is a million times better than what we're going to leave behind. Amen. 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 Give the Lord a hand clap one more time.